Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is the company that truly values their employees. Apply online at Beliciofoods.com careers. Well, happy Monday, everyone. And it is the plaid edition, uh, flannel edition of the morning <laughs> show right here on Main Street TV. Of course, Jennifer here and our good friend Pete Wilson is also here. On a Monday after the festival. Right, the day after. It's like <laughs> such a letdown, isn't it? Like all week you're like, woo, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's Monday again and it's gone. Right. Well, this no is no more fried stuff. No, it's there's always no a, more elephant ears. Always a little bit of a hangover because it, it the routine changes, it speeds up, it slows down, yeah. whatever it is. But uh, but uh, indirectly or directly, almost everybody in this town in and many in the county get involved somehow. Yes, uh, with, through, absolutely through the through. Uh, their participation or somebody's participation that they know. You know that's right, and it's a it's a it's a great week uh, here in Jackson. It brings a lot of folks into the area, which in turn, you know, is good for the economy and all of the things. So um, it's a lot of fun, and and the you know kudos to the red shirts for for and all the other folks that um, are involved in making this thing go well because it's amazing. Right, and uh, of course. It's always going to be successful. It's just degrees of success. And if, you know, some things go wrong to bring it down a notch or two. But this one seemed to be very successful. It did. I mean, by by about any any yardstick you want to apply, Jennifer. Uh, there was just a teeny bit of rain very early Saturday morning. And that's during the Kiwanis 5K run. And most folks aren't even up to the festival then. True. Unless you're participating in that event. And so other than the really hot temperatures on Wednesday also hot on Tuesday. It moderated. Weather was great. You can't ask for better parade weather than we had on Saturday night, which, you know, that's probably when the festival draws three-fourths of its attendance through the whole week. I would say so. For that for that night. And it was... A uh, few people downtown on uh, Saturday. Oh, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was something. And I tell you what, on Friday evening, another huge crowd downtown for the Mark Chestnut concert, but we're going to review all of that. Yes. Uh, it was it was it was really special. I talked to Brandon Davis uh, at the very end, and you know what kind of a hard week that is oh, there yes. for the so-called red shirts. Uh, he was the president of the Apple Festival. This is his second year. His family uh, has been involved with it, uh, you know, for years. You know, it's multi generational there in the Davis slash Perry family. Yep. And Brandon uh, gave me a comment that I could use, you know, for the paper and the radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was very good. He stressed the fact that not only was it a success as far as the crowds and how things went uh, almost down the line all the way through, but he appreciated all the support that he got from the other red shirts who donate so much of their time, much more than you might even imagine. Sure. Uh, from the business support in the community because they couldn't do everything that they do volunteering their time. And bring all these activities if it wasn't for the business support and the sponsorships that they get. And there's also individuals that do so much, too. Yep. He thanked everybody for that. And he also said 
something. He borrowed a quote that he got from Ted Frazier, and I know Sheriff Ted Frazier got it from somebody else. And it's simply this. It's, it's, it's a wonder and an amazing thing how much things can be accomplished if nobody cares who gets the credit. You know, oh, yeah. It, it's, a so te- good. It, it's a teamwork type thing. And everybody counts on everybody else. Everybody's got everybody's back. They jump in there. And uh, it's just not the red shirts. It's people supporting the red shirts. And so, uh, you know, the Apple Festival has been here since 1937. This was the 81st, but we should never take it for granted. It's a huge undertaking. And uh, it, it truly does take everybody to, to make it work. And I think it did work this time. Yep. But anyway, let's do a little bit of review. In that grand finale parade, mm-hmm. uh, 127 units, about wow. all of them showed up, 24 high school bands. And so that is so you know, cool. Automatically, you have a crowd generator there. Yes. Uh, with the participation and the spectators tied to the different units that are in parade, including all those big yep. high school bands. And uh, the Apple Festival does something with the bands that most festivals don't do. They pay their expenses to get here. That's one. No, they don't. They do. That's one. I reason. didn't know that. They do. That's one reason they get so many. They just don't throw out a you know a a, a letter, a generic Holy letter, moly. and say, "Hey, come to the festival." They, it's by invitation only. I did um, not know that. Right. It, it's by invitation only, and uh, that's why you see some of the same bands every year, including like the Whitehall Band from Columbus. They have come down for years and years and years, and they were there again. Uh, on Saturday night, but uh, on uh, on Friday night, let's jump to Friday night because Mark Chestnut was there, the country music star. Now I'm not one, even though I've been covering it for a long time. There he is, right there. Yeah. Um, I'm not one to claim about crowds because on Friday night I'm usually at a football game. That's just the yeah. way it works. That's However, true. Jeremiah Shaver, who's been covering the festival for ten years or so, he was there. And he talked to some of the some of the old guard. They feel that was one of the largest. We won't say the largest, but one of the largest Friday night crowds I've ever had. Look at that! Now that is looking, whoa. Okay, that is crazy. If, if you, you can hardly see the stage in this shot, but you see the traffic lights, so you know you're right in the intersection in front of the yeah. stage. Look how far back people were packed. Oh my to watch That concert. I mean, it was amazing. I don't know how many elephant ears and funnel cakes and sausage sandwiches were sold, but you know that's that's another thing that makes the festival. Uh, Whoa! Now you know it's a pretty penny to bring in somebody. Free bit, entertainment, though. Big, I mean, bit, for the crowd. Yeah, well, that's part of the draw. Of course, yeah. you got to you know you, you're not going up to the shot and scene or whatever and putting out forty or fifty dollars for a ticket to see a big name and you know all the hassle that goes with it. You know, you're coming here. You may have to stand. You may have to come early to get the the position that you want. But, you know, obviously that was a a big thing, uh, Mark Chestnut. On Thursday, they had the New Frontiers uh, band there, which is a Journey tribute band. It also uh, was a big success. Alex Shope was there. He is a Journey fan, our editorial assistant, <laughs> and he said they looked the part and they sounded the part. So I heard that. That's right. Great. So that, that was on Thursday evening. That came off very well as well. And then I know we had Morgan Washam in here earlier in the week. Yes. Uh, I know that that came off well, too. The Roots concert series that they had, that had down at the Lillian Jones Museum. Uh, Red Thompson is a music connoisseur. And he wanted to stop by and catch part of that. And he was there on the first day, I think. That is Charlie Manring singing uh, there at the uh, at the Roots Series on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But they had music, of course, on Thursday and Friday, free at the Lillings Jones Museum. 
And that is great what Morgan Washington does with Wildwood Media to set all that up. I mm -hmm. mean, talk about a great sideshow for the Apple Festival. Uh, great timing, of course, because there's already people downtown anyway. And, you know, some of them may want to get off the, the busy midway and enjoy some music. And they had a great chance to do that because of Wildwood uh, Media. But in the, uh, we'll jump back to the parade now on, uh, on, uh, on Saturday evening. Uh, as I said, 127 units, 24 high school bands, and uh, they judge the bands that night. And we want to salute the CLA band, the Christian Life Academy band. Paul Hogue takes care of it. We don't have a picture of that, but we do want to mention on television that in Class C, that's the smallest uh, band classification. They do it by sizes. Mm -hmm. The CLA band was first in both music and marching. They judged Whoa. them in music, marching, and auxiliaries. And I'm not even sure whether CLA has auxiliaries, you know, majorettes, flag corps, mm -hmm. whatever. Don't think they do. So you can't do any better than first place in music and marching. So congratulations you. to to CLA. After the auction, after the auction, they had a, uh, I mean, after the parade, they had an auction, a live auction. Ed Henderson was there in his uh, infectious self uh, trying to get, uh, <laughs> trying to get uh, high prices for a piece that John Daniels did. This is the second year he's done, at least the second year. There, Look at that. There's Joe Wyan holding it, and there, that's Brandon Davis there on the left talking about it. But that is, we'll call it a decorative sign. But what it is, it's made out of metal, and then there's powder coating on, on it as well. Yeah. You, you can see the Apple Tower there and the Apple Man there. Uh, on the on the front of that uh, on the front of that decorative sign, and this is something you know you can put up and and have almost forever because it is metal. They sold ten of these, uh, ten down through one. They're dated, so you know it's really a keepsake thing. That 2022 is so cool. festival, and there were some very good prizes given. I'm going to give credit to the people who bought uh, those auction items, and of course we'll have a picture. That, well, there they are. Those are the buyers right there, and this is who they are. Mark Carmen of Carmen Jews Cars and Trucks. Of course, he he gave he gave uh, five hundred dollars. Joe Wyant of the Apple Festival Committee gave the same price. Dan Folks of Seward Folks Insurance, another good community person, five hundred twenty-five dollars. Austin Wyant, the son of Joe Wyant, as an individual, gave four hundred twenty-five dollars. Michael Perkins of the Perkins family gave four hundred fifty dollars. So to Township Terry Trish, four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. George Davis, he's a red shirt, but he bought one for you store it for four hundred dollars. Brandon Davis, the president, brought one for $375 to Davis Veterinary Services. That is his wife, Genevieve, yes. who has a veterinarian office up in uh, MacArthur. Brett Reed, uh, $350. He's always buying those barrels at Pig Iron yeah. Day, so he's a good community person. And then Rob Leonard, who was on the Apple Festival Committee. He's from Oak Hill. He also owns Oak Hill Storage and more. Mm -hmm. He gave the top price of $700. So. Nice. It's a it's a wonder. Some of these guys are either on the Apple Festival committee. They already have businesses that support the festival. Not to mention their individual thing. And here they are, uh, uh, giving a a, a, a <laughs> more a, on top a, a of big all price that. Yeah. for these auction items on so Saturday good. night. So that was that was outstanding. All right. So we go earlier in the day, and we had a new Little Miss crowned Little Miss Apple Festival. And uh, the new Little Miss Apple Festival is Jalen Velez. She oh, is, look, I <laughs> love that picture. That I saw that online and I thought that is just so credit great. Credit to Jeremiah Shaver. So good. He was there, you know, covering it. We've got the, you know, the standard uh, photo of the group and all like that. But he was watching Jalen Velez because she was so expressive throughout the whole contest. <laughs> 
And every time they announced a name, you know, um, she was there and you could see the expression on her face. So he trained his camera on her when her name was announced. And that was her expression. Talk she about so out of the mouth of babes. So, yep. so expressive. She was just obviously thrilled. But uh -huh. she will take over from Hadley House who was the uh, last year's Miss Little Miss Apple She Festival has some Queen. big shoes to fill. Hadley uh, did a great job. Ha Hadley did. Hadley's very, very <laughs> precocious. I think Jalen is too. And there they are posing with the queens. There's Jalen Velez out front, Hadley House right behind her. And then from the left in the back, uh, Queen Abby Donnelly, second attendant Emma Davis, and first attendant Jade Winters. And let me say that the young ladies, uh, Abby, Jade, and Emma, just did a great job all week. Yeah. And They're I know great. them talking to past Apple Festival queens, they have such a great time all year. And then to be the center of attention with so many people paying sure. attention to them, you know, the little girls uh, being so excited to be around them, have their picture taken. That, that's a big thing on their shoulders, but it's also it's a thrill, something a they lot will of responsibility. never, ever forget. That's right. People don't understand how much they work, though, during, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing to, to represent. It is. It is. It is very much. Now that was that it, late at night they did that auction, but at six forty-five in the morning there were some people out on the Apple Festival streets for the Kiwanis Five K oh, run. God and bless walk. your hearts, man. R right. Well, anyway, I I was there for that, so I can say there were lots of people, but wow. there were one hundred and five people signed up Jeez. for the Kiwanis Five K run. These are the folks who ended up being the big winners. Uh, from the left, they are. If you know, if you're looking at your photo. Uh, there on the left is Emma Newsom. She was the top overall female finisher. She is from Jackson. She also happens to be the cross-country coach. Yes. So she knows a little bit about running. Uh, great story on her. Um, she grew up, uh, was involved in things, but was not a runner, did not run cross-country or track that I know of. I no, think that's what I she told me so. in high school. Yeah. But she got interested in it shortly after high school, you know, for health reasons or whatever, or I just thought it would be a cool thing to do. And now she is a top fight female she runner. Kicks and, everybody's and, rear end. Right, she, she did. And next to her is Michael Gibson, who uh, is just a teenager. She won in the youth division for uh, on the female side. Then you have Matthew Gibson. He is only 15 years old. He's from Jackson. He was the overall male winner, not only the youth division winner, but the uh, but the female or rather the the overall winner as well. He's 15 years old, and he did it in 18 minutes and 41 seconds. Way to go. Which is a very good time, especially for a young man. Yep. Next to him is the adult winner, Rob Irvin. Rob Irvin, of course, well-known as the minister of the World Outreach Ministries mm -hmm. up at Wellston. And Rob is 53 years old. They had to give your debt. You had to give your age. So how about that? <laughs> he got he, told he on. was able to beat all those 20 something hey, awesome. to win. The, he couldn't beat, he couldn't, couldn't beat Mr. Gibson, Matthew, <laughs> but he did win in the adult division. That's so, awesome. so congratulations to all them. And uh, I was there and actually I got to, got to be the MC for that. Great. And I marveled at how well organized Kurt Wiggins had that. If you, I think you know Kurt. I do know Kurt. Talk Very about well. talk about a guy who is detailed and organized. He was the one who had uh, the relay for life for a number of years, bringing in two hundred thousand dollars a year. He and his wife Judy, and so uh, he and uh, the Jackson Area Kiwanis Club uh, deserve a lot of credit. They had tons of community sponsorships, large and small, and all that money, including entry fees after expenses. All that's going to go for the good things that the Kiwanis does in the community, including... Which is a lot. Exactly. They do a lot for kids. They do yes. high school scholarships, all yes. three county schools. 
They do the kids' activities, 4th of July. Uh, they do uh, clothing projects. They do food projects. Uh, just very active. All kind of stuff. Very active in the community. Also, uh, congratulations to uh, the Apple City Motorcycle Club. They had a big cruise in at Manpower Park. If you happened to be driving by, you saw motorcycles and cars. If it wouldn't have been for some rain early in the morning that probably dissuaded some of those car folks from staying away, they, they still ended up with a very good turnout. They had some People's Choice winners as well. And uh, Jim Milliken of Colton, he's the council president. Mm -hmm. He's the wife of Colton Mayor Kim Milliken. Uh, and he's also the father of... Dad uh, of our uh, sweet right, Courtney. Our, our, our GM, Courtney <laughs> Leach. He probably won what was the biggest raffle prize offered by any group at the festival. And that is Courtney a... Courtney just came in and showed <laughs> us. We were like, what? A Harley Davidson motorcycle. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> and, so funny. And that is something. I understand that Jim used to uh, pilot a motorcycle in his younger days. Yeah. And uh, he is definitely toying with the idea of revitalizing his cycling career. So that was... That you know, was, you know... Um, the decision, I'm sure, will be ticket. Kim's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, when, I, whether I, he gets on that motorcycle or not. I can see Jim in that black leather jacket Oh, right can now. you see it? And, the, and Kim right on behind him. I could see Kim doing it. I could see Kim riding the motorcycle herself. Uh, but, uh, she's she, she's, she's, she's not afraid of anything. Uh, Courtney had a picture. It's so cute. I wish we had it. We should have her send it to us. Um, and it's Jim back in the day when he was riding a bike and he's got like the big old bell bottoms on and he looks like evil Knievel. It's hilarious. Right. <laughs> I thought he looked more like an easy rider kind of guy. Maybe easy a, rider. Yeah. Car strapped to his back. Kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's a pretty good picture though. We'll have to have her send it in. All right. Well, this was a story kind of like connected to the Apple Festival. So I'll talk about it now. Okay. Uh, this was off, uh, just off, off the festival midway at Manpower Park. And that was the unveiling of the new Mayor's Orchard there. Yeah. You've probably heard about that. I have. And I've had actually quite a few people ask me about right. that and where it is right. and it, how it, they can see it. This so, was a that's big good. group that came out on Tuesday afternoon after the opening ceremony. So they did tie it in with the Apple Festival, sure. naturally. Makes uh, but, sense. Uh, you know, we had festival people there. We had city people there. Uh, had some county officials there. Uh, had some agriculture people there in the person of Aaron Daly and Joss Winters, the new ag agent and all like that. Uh, but anyway, what we what happened with the mayor's orchard, 12 apple trees are uh, planted now. You can see them there in that strip behind Walgreens uh, on the Walgreens side of the creek there, uh, which is still considered part of Manpower Park, even though it's across the footbridge. Mm -hmm. They hope that they'll grow. They don't know that they will. But they're hoping it. And uh, this new city tree commission, which is involved, which is a brand step, brand, brand step, Crystal Finch, and um, and Beverly Ondera, mm -hmm. they're the ones that made that happen. Um, David Swackhammer and uh, Harold Nuker, yes. who's on council, they're all on the tree commission. And it got revitalized this year. So this was a great launch project, first year project for the tree commission to get, you know, to put the spotlight on trees and, and plant trees, you know, the right kind of trees in the right places for the benefit sure. of the community. And Randy Evans, he mentioned this several times when he spoke during the week, and I'm sure he mentioned it at this ceremony they had there on late Tuesday afternoon. Uh, he laments the fact that, you know, we have the Apple Festival, and at one time, you know, 40, 50 orchards in the county, and, and the fact is we have none now. Mm -hmm. So 
let's plant some apple trees. And we Why have not? at least a small orchard right here in the city of Jackson. So, you know, they got their agriculture advice. They're crossing their fingers and they hope those apple trees will grow. I guess it's a very delicate thing with the apple. I mean, once they're going, you know, you're okay. Yeah. But it's a, it's a very delicate thing. Yep. And so they tried to plant the right kind of trees with the right kind of soil and all. And so, you know, let's see what happens there. That is the new mayor's orchard. Love that. All right. Well, let's go to some regular news now. Okay. All right. May we do that now? Well, I suppose. The Apple Festival is 364 days away or 363. <laughs> well, so we'll talk about that again some sometime next September. Yes. Hey, can I mention one thing? I um, James and I worked the Total Media booth on Friday, and um, I'm sure that other people experienced the same thing. But just want to give a shout out to all the folks that stopped by said hi, um, said they nice. watched the show, how much they appreciate you doing the news, uh, keep them, keeping them updated, especially folks that are from, you know, here, but now live in other states. We had several of those stop by um, and just say that they can keep up on what's going on here by not only the newspaper, but, um, you know, tuning into the show. And so it always means a lot to us to know that there are people out there listening and, and that we're appreciated. So well, you know, thank that, you for stopping by. You're, you're right. That means a lot. You know, our viewers, our readers, uh, our listeners, you know, they're all important to us. Absolutely. Uh, that, is, that is the foundation that makes the business part work, we hope. And so, uh, you know, we do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, I know the Apple Festival Committee people, the military people, they, you know, we say you ought to appreciate. When you put it into words, you just, you 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 can't underestimate what that means to somebody, and we know sure. we know about that because we feel good when they say nice things about us. Yeah, so I know there's someone out there. So listening. everybody that took the time to say something nice, you yes. know, this past week uh, when we saw them, because you see a lot of people, we certainly do appreciate Jennifer. Yep. Very very good point. All right, uh, up at Vinton County, uh, of course, you know the big story up there has been. Uh, the dialogue and discussions that have been taking place at two different school board meetings okay. about the alleged hate crime. Yeah. And, you know, if, you know, you've forgotten what happened before or what allegedly happened, an incident in the girls' bathroom at Vinton County High School where a black female student who was a freshman allegedly was the victim of an assault yes. by one or more white girls yes. who were also high school students who... Uh, were accused of assault and basically of carrying out a campaign of bullying against this female. Yes. Now, all we can say, obviously, is what people say is alleged. Yeah. You know, we weren't we weren't in the bathroom, yeah. all right, of course. So, um, but it has turned into a pretty big story. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, the basis of a long discussion at one school board meeting on uh, Tuesday the nineteenth, and then. Two days later, they had a special meeting because of all the talk and concern uh, about what came out at the first meeting. But the parent, Eric Bledsoe, uh, of the black female student, mm -hmm. there he is speaking uh, at the school board meeting on Tuesday. And he basically did not back off the, his Facebook post that kind of ignited this whole it, maelstrom. Yeah. Uh, he, is, he, also, he is upset that this happened. He, I know he posted sure. pictures of where his... Uh, his, uh, you could see some bruises on uh, mm -hmm. the face of the of his daughter. He was he was upset that it happened. He said it was not the first time that he has been bullied by some of these same girls. Yes, but he was just as upset about what he feels has been the lack of response from school officials. Okay, all right, and so 
this he was not the only one to speak. Three different school board members, there's five on the school board, remember, they gave comments supportive of Bledsoe and, and critical of, of what had happened and the school's response to it. So this, oh, this okay. is big stuff. Yeah. This is this is not being supportive of the of the school administration, the superintendent, the high school administration, et cetera. Right. And Rick Brooks, who is the superintendent and has been for some time in Vinton County, he did not answer any of the criticism because of the privacy issues involved. You know, this was something that happened on school territory with, a, with a juvenile. So, yeah, it's so sticky because you're talking about kids and you can't give details about kids. So therefore, like the information is very hard to come by. Right. And the sheriff, of course, has been involved, too, because whatever the school has done or will do, that will be an internal thing because of privacy and because it's a juvenile and, and the school just doesn't talk about that. They may talk in general about policies, but they're not going to talk about a certain incident unless, right. you know, talk they, about they a change, kid's name. They change course on the public side. The Vinton County Sheriff's office has confirmed and reconfirmed that they are doing an investigation right now. No charges have been filed, but I know one of the things they're doing they're 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 looking at any video was available. They're looking at cell phones because you know these videos were done on maybe one or more phones. Uh, they're looking yeah, for didn't, they're lo they're looking at the evidence to see if there's a, a sense. basis for a criminal charge, which because you can do against a juvenile. Because there were some cell phone videos of this alleged incident, correct? I, I I've not seen or it, but I understand so there are. We're yes. told. Um, so yeah, you have kind of two sides to this. You have like the the school part of it, but then you also have literally a a criminal aspect of this that's being uh, pursued as well, or at least um, investigated. Right. And the sheriff, uh, Ryan Kane in Benton County. They're two different things. Right. Uh, exactly. And when something is under investigation, we've been around the news a long time, Jennifer. They may say it's under investigation, probably should, but they're not going to give you a lot of details no. then uh, and say what they might do or might not do when the investigation is closed and they do something or they decide not to do something. Right. That's when we'll know. Yeah. But we know that the ball is still rolling as far as an investigation. And internally at the school, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what has been done or not been done as far as punishment because the school will treat it almost like the sheriff's office. They will look for evidence because, you know, what you have is the only persons in that restroom were the alleged victim and the alleged assaulter, alleged assault person or assault people. Yes. And so, you know, you got to try to sort that out sometime Oof. and figure out what you know not just what you hear. Yeah. So anyway, that is an ongoing thing. At the second school board meeting, which was a special meeting just to discuss discipline and disciplinary policy, the school board voted unanimously. Uh, one member was not there, but they were on the same page on this. They voted unanimously to change some school policy okay. to make it a little stricter when an assault has taken place. In other words, I guess when they know that one has, it's either confessed to, admitted, proven, uh, expulsion, expulsion will be uh, something that is mandatory uh, for at least a certain length. It won't be just something that is uh, possible, a, po a possible punishment because you have, you have things like detention, you have suspension, and then you have expulsion. Mm -hmm. And expulsion, I guess, can be for different lengths. It doesn't have to be permanent. I didn't know that. Right. So um, in okay. every school, you know, they can have their own policies and so forth. But uh, Vinton County's policy on expulsion uh, on expulsion after an alleged assault has been uh, has been strengthened. Also, they're going to try to do some more education things in the schools to address the general issue of bullying. Uh, yeah. Uh, some school assemblies and, and all like that. Because at the first meeting, 
where you know Mr. Bledsoe talked about what he said happened to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, other parents, uh, up to according to Red Thompson Jr., he, he he didn't count them, but he thought it was about ten. Talked about their experiences, their negative experiences with alleged bullying yeah. involving their kids. It's so yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's a whole a, different it, world. It, it's a it's a tempest for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, and this is a, a more positive story. Well, we uh, like that. Yeah. Well, Governor Mike DeWine recently announced uh, $8.2 million going out to 13 different local law enforcement offices, officers, uh, uh, agencies uh, to uh, prevent and investigate instances of violent crimes in their communities. It's a, called a violent crime program. Well, the Jackson County Sheriff's Office picked up, get this, $191,862.72. Well, thank goodness. You know, when they do that, how how do they (laughs) they figure up it's going to be 72 72 cents? Can't we just round it up? (laughs) It's not a round figure. But anyway, of course, this money will be be used for retention uh, bonuses through both deputies and dispatchers, of course, who are addressing violent crime problems. Funds in Jackson County will also be used for new technology to enhance intelligence gathering efforts and to support Operation Cleanup. That's a local program which focuses on the targeted enforcement of violent crime. So obviously, Sheriff Ted Frazier, I know he felt underfunded uh, to a point, Mm -hmm. uh, very respectful person, uh, never steps on any toes that I know of, but, Mm -hmm. but I know that he has dealt with what is considered an underfunded situation for what the deputies and dispatchers are paid there. And also the numbers of deputies and dispatchers, especially on the deputy side, that's who does your footwork out there in the county, you know, doing this. That's right. So I know that that $191,000 uh, is greatly appreciated. Sure. And he actually said so in a story that we printed in our Saturday paper. That's great. Another good story. Okay. H&H Industries down in Oak Hill is going to have an expansion. Uh, and they were helped. H and H is down there, just north of Oak Hill, off State Route 93. Uh, there is a picture of some of the things they do at H and H and H Industries. You've probably driven by there, just north of Oak Hill, a mile or two. It's on the right if you're coming up from Oak Hill, on the left if you're coming down from Jackson on State Route 93. You can see it there on the side of the road. They specialize in oversized tires for uh, off-the-road equipment, like construction equipment. Yeah, and, like and, big and, tires. Right, rare, real big. Like real they, big tires. They are considered an industry leader in that category, obviously. It's very specialized, but they are considered an, uh, an, an industry leader. And the grant that they received, uh, which is uh, $233,000, it will be used to expand uh, their production capacity capacity and it will cre- create five new jobs in Jackson County. I'm not sure how many jobs they have now at H&H, but at a time that we did a story several years ago, it was in excess of 100. Very quietly, one of the bigger uh, employers right there in the Oak Hill area. Sure. And so uh, the fact that they got, that they have this $233,000 expansion, it was um, it was enabled a great deal by a $25,000 Jobs Ohio inclusion grant. Uh, state money that will be used to uh, help them get over the top on the expenses that they're going to have. And one of the things that they're promising, because they got state money, is that they will maintain their employment and actually create five new jobs there. And I'm sure those will be good paying jobs. Okay, speaking of labor, we'll speak of something not so positive. There is a possible strike looming 
James the, was just telling me about that. They're the Kroger store. What? In the Columbus Division. And yes, the Jackson store out there in the Jackson Square Shopping Center, 530 East Main Street, is in the Jackson Division. Of course, you know, you got Kroger, Walmart, Save a Lot, Piggly Wick. I mean, you got grocery stores in Jackson County, but Kroger arguably may be the largest one. Sure. And so that's a big deal. Uh, but uh, this is not something just at Jackson. It affects this whole Columbus division. But there is a union uh, called the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union. And, of course, they have a local union representing these employees. Uh, I take it it's hundreds of employees in this Whoa. division. And right now they cannot agree on some contract uh, provisions, uh, mainly wages. That's usually what it always comes down to, money. arguing sure. about money. And right now there's not going to be a strike, but they have not been able to resolve this contract. And both sides agree they're going to have one more talk on Tuesday. The company, Kroger, put out a news release saying they have already issued what they consider their la last and, and best and final offer. Now, whether... You know, the union will accept that or whether there'll be, a, you know, a little more negotiation, give and take. We can't say, but they are going to meet tomorrow on Tuesday. Okay. There has been no strike date announced that I know of. Okay. But if that falls through, that is a possibility for our store out in Jackson because, you know, it is mainly union people that, that are the rank and file employees out there. So what does that look like then? Pete, does that mean the store closes or what do you know? I do not know. Obviously, a store has the right, management has the right to try to run it on their own uh, with uh, non-union employees, with management people doing uh, doing uh, oh things out on the floor that they might not normally do. I would assume they would try to, to stay. A lot of times, some companies will, even though they disagree, will respect the picket line or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the business has every right to stay in business with whoever they can get to work. Sure. Of course, I think we can agree the climate right now is favors the employees. It definitely does. <laughs> right. Now hiring, now hiring, now hiring. It's yeah. all down the street. But uh, if you're interested in some numbers, uh, according to Kroger, a cashier's current wage is $17.10 an hour. Of course, I'm sure that can vary based on experience sure. and position. Uh, that amount, if, if they if they go with what the company is offering, it would go up to $17.75 an hour this year, $18.25 an hour next year, and $18.90 an hour in 2024. I do not know what the company is counter offering, but that is what the company is offering. And Kroger put out a uh, news release, and they said they're trying to do two things. They do want to give more money to their workers, but they also want to try to keep the price of groceries down as much as possible. Yeah. And tell me if I'm wrong, because I go and shop at all these stores. I shop at Kroger, too. And just in general, does it seem like the price of groceries is up more than the 8.3 inflation rate that we wow. keep hearing on the national news? 100%. More than yes. 8.3, it seems like to me. Oh. Certainly for some items. You know, it's, it's a little bit crazy. You know, you go and you, you don't... You know, if you need something, you need something and you're just, you know, going to probably buy it. But then you get to the register and you're like, wait, I have, you know, some cat food and some whatever. And how is that $50? <laughs> no, I know. You, you Every know, day I feel like you're, you're it. There you and four you're things. You need a few, a few items you've run out, a few necessity items. <laughs> and, you know, you get out your 20 and you realize you need a 50 or yeah. maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to make chili. Wait. 
why is my chili now costing me $40? Like before it would have been 10. Like, I don't know. How does that happen? Right. And then, you know, that makes you understand a little bit better about restaurant prices. Absolutely. Because they've got to buy the food That's too. That's a whole and other pay, story. Pay the people and et cetera. Yes. I know you could talk about that for quite yes. some time. But anyway, let's go back to Vinton County and something that the sheriff's office did up there. I'm sure it attracted some attention. And the sheriff's office did put out a news release, so we want to pass on this information to the okay. public. This just happened last Friday, but the law enforcement personnel led by the Vinton County Sheriff's Office and in cooperation, I'm sure, with the Vinton County local schools conducted drug-related searches at both the middle school and the high school. What? Uh, yes. Okay. You know, they did what wow. they call, I guess you call it a sweep. Oh, looking for looking for Looking for drugs there. Of course, they didn't announce that it was coming, as far as I know. Uh, but the Jackson Police Department helped and the Jackson County Sheriff's Office helped. And here's the good news. This blows my mind. No narcotics were found at either school in spite well, of the sweep. Uh, amazing. That's um, great. Way to go. However, the Sheriff's Office did say, and the Vinton County Schools are with them on this, they will continue to have searches like this throughout the year to ensure, as they say, a safe and drug-free learning environment for the students and the staff. So that happened last Friday, and if you would have told me they found nothing. I know. That's you know, kind of surprising. I mean, I presume they look everywhere. I don't know whether they looked in backpacks and like that, but I think they had that right. Wow. So I know they looked in lockers and so forth. All right. As far as COVID goes, uh, we got pretty good news there. There'll be new reports coming out this week, maybe as soon as today. I don't have those yet. But last week when the reports came out, the cases were down quite a bit in good. Jackson County we'll and it. Vinton County. However, overall, Jackson County, per the CDC uh, rankings, their scale, Jackson has a high community level of transmission. Vinton County has a moderate level of transmission. Okay. And, of course, what makes you really think is when you see that picture of the Mark Chestnut crowd. I know. Or, I was just thinking that two weeks from now. Uh, <laughs> or you're at Alumni Stadium and you see all those people at the football game. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, I was just sitting here thinking, man, oh boy. And you know what? At the Apple Festival, and you know, I'm not advocating or not advocating, but at the Apple Festival, you see all those people. And what are you saying? Maybe one in 500 had a mask on? I, I don't even know if it was that. And, you know, I know that there's been yeah. some cold water thrown on the masks. I know, yeah. But still, uh, it, it's, ama it, it's amazing to me. And I understand, even if you're the CDC and the health experts, it's hard to know when you got <laughs> a new thing. But, you know, last year we've got a lot of cases. and, and or, or two years ago we have a lot of cases and things get shut down. And now we have kind of a lot of cases. And nothing gets shut down and nobody's wearing a mask. So were we wrong the first time or are we wrong now? <laughs> no. We'll see in two weeks. <laughs> right. Well, everybody. We didn't have vaccines the first time. Oh, well. That's right. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And even they have not been 100%. No, definitely but, but, you not. Know, but they are supposed to minimize yeah. the severity of the illness if you get it. Well. But on the other flip side of this COVID-19 dialogue, the Wellston Senior Citizen Center announced last week that they have closed operations due to the risk of COVID-19. I don't know whether that means there's been some cases, Maybe. probably, but they have shut down operations. They will not be operating. Uh, they started last Wednesday and it will go until next Monday, October the 3rd. So no, nothing at the Wellston Senior Citizen Center does okay. not affect, as far as I know, the other two senior citizen center. But remember, the Jackson Senior Citizen Center was closed for about a month. They it kept was. extending it a week yep. because of COVID. 
Yep. So anyway, we know that some of that is still out there. All right, we want to congratulate Debbie Canner. She is an Oak Hill resident. She is the newest member, or probably will be, of the Jackson County Board of Elections. I had to use the qualifier probably, because even though the Jackson County Republican Party's executive committee voted her in unanimously to replace Kathy Smalley, her appointment has to be approved by the Ohio Secretary of State. That's okay. Frank LaRose. However, Debbie is a Republican. Uh, it was the Republican Party that appointed her. Frank LaRose is a Republican. And Debbie Canner, I know she's got uh, no baggage whatsoever. I'm sure she'll be approved, but it is a formality normally. But she has to be approved by the Secretary that of State. Makes sense. She is the party secretary right now. Okay. Former uh, teacher and administrator in the Oak Hill Schools, very highly thought of. Right now, she also works uh, with the governor's office with the Ohio Imagination Library, which, of course, the DeWines are very active in. Yes. Um, big, are, big deal. Right. And so she stays busy with that as well. And so congratulations uh, to her. We also want to announce that uh, we talked about the Reverend Bob Davis and all he did for Jackson Area Ministries. He's in his 90s, mm -hmm. and he finally retired after 40 <laughs> 45 years. After a few years. As, as director of Jackson Area Ministries. And even though I'm sure that's a paid position, I'm told for the most part, he didn't accept any money. Yeah. He, that's not why he wanted to do that. He did it out of Christian love. They had a retirement celebration for him at the Christ United Methodist Church Family Life Center. And I was there for that. A lot of people stepped up and spoke. And, uh, they had a representative from the West Ohio Conference. That's the big region that uh, it, that represents the United Methodist Churches. And the number two person there, a Dana, Dana Stickley Minor, came and handed him a letter written by the bishop himself. Whoa, uh, that's really who, cool. Who is Gregory Palmer, and that's the man who uh, stands uh, at the at the head of the Methodist Church mm -hmm. in this part of the state. And uh, very, very nice comments made about Reverend Davis, who I'm guessing by now is in his retirement home in the Asheville, North Carolina area. Good for him. All right. And we saw Nick Rupert earlier today. He was in the office he for, was. For, for another reason. So you, you talk to him. Well, we want to acknowledge that the air show was one of the best ever. A couple of the people that were involved in it thought it might have been their biggest crowd in years. And, yes. of course, yes, they had great weather up there. They had Talk wonderful Talk about an weather. event that counts on the weather. Yes. And it's just not rain. It's wind, too. Yep. Uh, because and you fog. Yeah. And you can't Black have... You can't have yeah. And, and if you're a spectator, you got to be able to see, you know, if the visibility's not very good. But they had a great event up there. And uh, we had coverage in the paper. And we want to congratulate Nick Rupert and everybody with the Benton County Pilots and Boosters Association for what was a great event. You can uh, check out our website for some photos uh, as, as well on that. And we, of course, we had it in the paper. Tonight, uh, it's not too late to get a ticket, I'm sure. The Jackson County Heart Support Group will have its Harvest for a Heart Dinner and Auction. Okay. It will be this evening at the Family Life Center. They raise money to uh, support heart and cancer patients in Jackson County. It's local people in this group, and they see that the money goes where it's needed to these heart and cancer patients and their families in Jackson County, every cent. And that's what they use of the proceeds from the dinner and from the auction. And Ed Henderson will be there uh, to uh, do the auction services. Once again, that's uh, at 6 p.m. tonight at the Family Life Center. They'll have a matchbox raffle along with the auction. And then, of course, a very nice dinner as well. Yes. 
in Oak Hill tonight, and it looks like the weather is going to be cooperative. Mosquito spraying oh. taking, taking place in Oak Hill. It happens in all of our little communities uh, this time of year and even earlier in the summer and in the spring as well. But it's going to be conducted in Oak Hill this evening. It will begin at 8 p.m. Anyone with respiratory issues should consider closing their windows and shutting off window air conditioning units until yep. the fog is dissipated, if you happen to see that fog. Yes. They didn't say it's going to be in a certain area, so I take it that they will be hitting what they consider uh, the hot areas for mosquitoes in I, in and around Oak Hill. Am I correct that you can hear? I don't know because I haven't lived in the city in a long time, but I think that you can hear the truck or the sprayer coming. So is what I've been told. I think that is that is. That so if is, you hear a weird noise, right, and turn you know you're going to see a kind of like a big tanker type truck. I think yeah. is how they normally do it, or in the back of a picker after you see a big contraption. So don't. But, yeah. uh, I don't think anybody's going to need their window air conditioner on tonight anyway. <laughs> no, no, and, and, and it's 8 p.m., so it's going to be dark then. Yeah. So be aware that that may will be taking place in in, in Oak Hill. In, in Oak Hill, and once again in throughout the village, it mm -hmm. sounds like to me. Okay, we've seen a lot of orange cones, and we're going to see more in Jackson because tomorrow, uh, unless a schedule's changed, uh, ODOT, through its contractor, is going to be starting some big paving projects in Jackson. We're talking about the section of State Route 39 between South and Broadway. Uh -huh. That's actually the end of State Route 139. We think about 139 being south of town, but it actually comes all the way to Main Street, middle of town. They did the section on Euron Street, Vaughn Street, and South Street last year. Now they're going to do that section from South Street up to Main Street on Broadway. Okay. So that's going to be paved. They're always going to be keeping the road open, uh, at least one lane. Mm -hmm. They may have flaggers, and they're going to do this work in the evening. Okay. Um, Mayor Randy Evans said that's what uh, that's what ODOT so wanted to do. They're so fast at it, too. I mean, like, they're really quick at it. Right, and this they, is, you know, main block of town. This is huge, so... It's a good deal. Then they're also going to be doing the bigger project of the two is involves State Route 93 almost all the way through town. From all the way on the one end coming from Colton on Morton Street, all the way through the downtown area out to uh, where the 32 interchange It will be a bit inconvenient, but boy, is that going to be nice when it's done. Right. And remember, once again, they're going to be doing the work uh, in the evening. Yep. In the evening hours, uh, I believe from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay. And it will be Monday through Friday. They say traffic will be ma maintained in one lane throughout construction with flaggers being used. Work will be estimated. They've really pinned this down. Fall of 2022, whatever that is. I mean, that could be. Isn't it fall that could, now? <laughs> that, that, could be the, that could be the third week of December. Yeah, right. That's how long the fall goes. So, you know, it's obviously time approximate and in there. And weather. And, you know, I'm you sure know. there's other jobs that the contractor's doing. They have a deadline date. And, you know, the weather, of course, is a big variable as well. But, you know, when you're driving through Jackson, you should be careful anyway when you're in the downtown area and on the very busy commercial streets, but especially so now yep. with the paving work that will take place. And the last thing that Coach, that Mayor Evans knew is that it would start tomorrow. Okay. And, and. Technically, it's already started because of some of the related work. Well, you've seen them doing the and curbs like and all and, that. And actually, those are city, con the city yes. and contractors for the city doing lots of the curb replacement work. So the city had to do the curb work, and then the state is doing the the paving through. Right, the, the, the contractor for yeah. the state, but it's and it's main. And you think it's your city money at work? That part isn't. That's a state project, and they pay at least ninety yep. percent of that cost. Even, and, but don't think that the ten percent is doesn't amount to a whole lot. It amounts to a whole lot, yeah. 
All right. Uh, also, speaking of highway construction, if you're heading out towards Chillicothe um, at the roadside rest area, you know, they've been working there <laughs> since the spring. Still going. There's going to be going. another phase to that. You know, the little road there on the on the other end of the rest stop area, if you're coming from Jackson, there's a little road there that you come out on from the roadside uh, from the roadside rest, and it goes back. There's a township road called Cane Road. Yeah, it's by that log cabin. Yep. yep. That stayed open the whole time. Well, now they've come to the point where they have to close that. Oh. For a while. Ugh. So uh, you can't you can't pull into Cane Road. It's just a little township road, or come off Cane Road onto 35 for a while. They say that project will take three days and it will start on Tuesday. Gotcha. They'll be doing a full depth pavement replacement on Cane Road. So it's in great shape too, as well as the roadside rest. Cool. And if you've forgotten what they're doing, there's been some traffic accidents, some fatalities even there. A lot. Because of where the roadside rests, big trucks usually pulling off the road and, and cars, and sometimes it's foggy and all like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, they're adding extra lanes on both sides. So there's turn lanes and deacceleration and acceleration lanes. So that should help greatly. Um, you know, it's just like they have yes. at the truck stop. At the now. truck stop. Right. Yeah. It, that, it would be just like that. Yep. Only only a little bit bigger in on both sides of the road. Yep. All right. This Saturday or this Sunday, uh, Coach Josh McGraw, we've talked about him. That's the Jackson baseball yes. program. You know, they've had all this success through the years. We broadcast their home baseball games. They had championships and all like that. They're going to have a, an alumni baseball game this Saturday. Or no, Sunday. What? Sunday, October 2. Yeah, an alumni baseball game. You have all these alumni activities, and he is asking some of these old players. They're not old yet, but they're going to come back. They're out of high school and play in an alumni baseball game. And all you need to do if you're one of the players who's played at Jackson High School in the past. I mean, does it matter what year it was? It doesn't say so. Okay. But it's billed as a homecoming weekend. The game will be at 1 p.m. on Sunday, so, you know, you don't have to miss the Ironman football game. You don't have to miss the Buckeyes on Saturday, whoever you root for. This is going to be on Sunday. And uh, they can play on Spark Sparky Howler Field, How just like fun. they used to. And all they have to do is give Coach McGraw a call. The number is 740-418-1931. Once again, 740-418-1931, or you can email him at McGraw at jcs.k12.oh.us. Call the number. Call the that, number. That might be easier. That's so much easier. The cost is $25 per player, and that's just to take care of the expenses. Yeah. So that's a neat event there that is coming up. Uh, and in case you haven't heard, Trick or Treat. They have named the date for Trick oh, or Treat. Okay. It will be Saturday, October 30th. And it's going to, and once again, the mayors of Jackson, Wellston, Oak Hill, and Colton have collaborated to make sure that uh, trick-or-treat is at the same time on the same evening. It's going to be Saturday, October 30th, the day before Halloween, 5.30 p.m. until 7 p.m. If there's any local changes, I'm sure they'll be announced, you know, by the by the mayors or so forth. That's 5.30 to 7. Citizens are welcome to take part by passing out candy to the little ones. It's Sunday. It's not Saturday. Sunday. Right. It's right. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's, it's Sunday. It's Sunday, not Saturday. It's Sunday, October 30th? Yeah. Is is it still the thirtieth? Correct. Yes. Third day is a Sunday. It's Sunday. Okay, oh, Sunday. Way to go, Jeremiah. We'll hey, we'll teach you about that, the days of the week later. I went through and fixed it all. Oh, thank you, thank, <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Well, we have late breaking news. We've but changed. He, but he, but he, we changed trick or treat from Saturday to Sunday. I figured that Saturday sounded right to me. You know, Saturday's more of a. So Sunday, the Sunday's the thirtieth. Sunday must be the thirtieth. Okay. 
Right. So Sunday. It's on Sunday. Sunday the 30th. Right. I think it makes more sense to have it on Sunday anyway because, you know, there's people aren't working as much and things. But Right. Exactly. All right. And there's no football games. <laughs> no. That, that's well, a, Ohio State or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't think they're playing. I think their game this well, I don't know. We don't know yet. They don't. They don't actually name the start time for the games usually until the week before. Yeah. So we don't know when that'll be. But uh, if Ohio State is playing, I'm saying that the dads at least will not be always going with their children. I would say it'll be up to the moms. That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, I I got to go to a game this Saturday. I haven't been great since before Jamie and I got married. It's been that long. It's a great experience. It was a blast. It was so fun. And we were able to, um, we were right beside the tunnel where the band comes out. I have a video. I maybe show it this week sometime. Just such a, just a, I mean, it was just unbelievable experience. It, Very it, cool. The it, band itself is mm -hmm. breathtaking, let alone, you know, the game. We happen to be sitting in the end zone where they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. Well, scoring. Okay. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> I tell you, it is it is an experience with a capital E. You don't even oh. have to be an Ohio State fan or a My football fan. Goodness. Uh, just the whole so fun. the whole thing um being being part of that, you know, with one hundred thousand people plus in the house and just uh just uh, uh excitement. It's electric. It is, and you know, honestly though, what I was like really almost kind of I don't want to say dreading it. I was I was um had some anxiety issues about that many people being in one space and like how that was going to work and whatever. But, you know, cell phones still worked. Like I thought that that would just, you know, just die out. And, you know, that still worked. Like bathroom lines weren't long. Uh, concession lines weren't long. Like it, I don't know how they do it and have a hundred thousand people in one spot and, and it just, goes i i was surprised right well what it's I, amazing what i would say if you haven't been to a game uh and you get a chance to get a ticket or invest in a ticket if you can do go, it at least once go do it at least yeah. once uh you know i'm a big fan i've been to some games i'm content to watch it from my living room well that's how but, we are typically but had the opportunity to go so why not no, right? that's right and sometimes it's not not all that easy to get a ticket either no. so yeah, we but, were fortunate. Right. And now, of course, it's a tiered system. You never know what it might be. You know, the more uh, high-profile games are going to cost a lot more. Yes, sure. So that's good and bad because, you know, if you just want to experience a game, maybe you can catch one of those lower-cost games. And it's going to be a big difference as far as this, a savings, I guess cost, you could say. But you're still going to have the same cool electric environment. It's going to be – it's just amazing to me. I, I couldn't believe it. Right. It's very, very special to be sure. And of course, with the way the football teams play, I was gonna say. To I mean, it wasn't. It didn't hurt to. I mean, it was almost like, okay, guys, stop scoring because this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, not that I'm not going to tell them to stop and, scoring. And you know, but. it was 52 to 21, and the game wasn't maybe that close. It, it could have. And you're talking about playing been a lot one, worse. What is normally one of the top Big Ten teams? So, yep. but you know, it can change week to week. You know. Uh, don't be shocked if somehow they have trouble against Rutgers, who is much lower rated than Wisconsin <laughs> next week. It's just, you never it's just know. the way it is. You know, you talk about emotions, whether you're a man or a boy or whatever, and they can change them week to week. You're correct. And about the time that you think you're pretty good is about the time you're ready to get knocked off that's, your pedestal. Yep, that's right. That's when someone's there to bring you down. Exactly. So anyway, speaking of uh, the atmosphere around the football game, very special up at Vinton County this last Friday because it was homecoming. Oh, cool. 
Right, and that means that a homecoming queen was announced, and there she is. That she's Aww. on the left. That is Marissa Huff being uh, crowned as the 2002 homecoming queen. She's being crowned by last year's queen, Cassandra Mares. So congratulations to Marissa. Uh, homecoming is a big deal up at Vinton County, like it is at most of the schools. They even have a parade during the week and a bonfire, pep rally, all that. And uh, Marissa Huff, a senior, is the queen, and we'll uh, have that picture and a couple other related pictures uh, in our next uh, paper, Jennifer, on uh, Wednesday. Uh, speaking of homecoming, coming up at Jackson High School this Friday, uh -huh. and of course the homecoming dance on Saturday. And I don't have all the details on this, but it's homecoming weekend at Wellston High School nice. as well. So, uh, and I think Oak Hill might be the next week after that. Oak Hill is on the road this week. But uh, Always fun. we hope to, I know that we'll uh, have some pre-coverage of the homecomings for Jackson and Wellston in our Wednesday paper as well. Uh, and this is interesting, uh, Jennifer, in the old days when we went to homecoming dances, um, I always had trouble snaring a date, but I usually came up with something. But but anyway, <laughs> anyway. I doubt well, that, I, Pete. I, I, I heard you were quite the ladies' uh, man. I'm sure I was. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But anyway, anyway. On homecoming, Nancy, what they, they, they did this on COVID, and they're going to do it again this year. I don't know whether it's because of COVID or it's just something different to do. The homecoming dance at Jackson, weather permitting, is going to be in the Alumni Stadium parking lot. Yeah, that was kind of neat. Right, they I know it was because year, of COVID they? before, and it may be again this year, but they're doing it in the high school parking lot. If the weather is not good, I don't know whether that's rain or snow or cold, they will move it inside to the field house. Okay. So... We'll see how that goes. And, of course, you know, uh, homecoming at Wellston, too. In our football over the weekend, uh, we had two winners and two losers on our local teams. Uh, the Jackson Ironmen had a stiffer test than expected with Miami Trace, but they did come out on top 49-28. to 28. Okay. Got off to a pretty big lead, and Miami Trace got within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Jackson scored two touchdowns late to win by three touchdowns. Great. Jackson is now 4-2 and two overall. They've won two in a row. And they will play Hillsboro this Friday at home. That's, of course, homecoming. The Vinton County Vikings, I mentioned it was homecoming last Friday for them. Of course, you know, it dampens it a little bit if your football team loses. Well, Coach T.J. Carper made sure that they didn't. They beat a good Albany Alexander team 48-14. to Wow. So the Vikings have won four straight. They are 4-2 and two overall. And they are 3-0 and now in the TVC Ohio. And right now... It, you know, they're tied for first place. They might even be in first place. I'm not sure where the other teams are. Yeah. But you can't do any better than be undefeated in right. the league. And so um, they will uh, they will go ahead and play again this week and try to stay in first place. It looks like that Nelsonville York, who's always good, may be the other team that will have a something to say about who wins the TVC Ohio title. They will be playing later in the season. Also, uh, the Wellston Golden Rockets had one of their better games, but came up short. They went on the road at River Valley, were ahead at one time, but ended up losing 42-22. to 22. Uh, And so uh, they will get on the horse and try again next week. Okay. Uh, the Oak Hill Oaks lost at home last Friday to Lucasville Valley. That score was 35-7. to 7. The Oaks, I believe, will be at Wheelersburg this Friday. Okay. Hey, so, Pete, and we have the radio replay of all those games on our podcast feed. So if you listen to that's the true. podcast of Main Street TV, you've got all four of those high school 
football games in your feed to enjoy also. Okay. Well, Thank there, you, James. You and hey, another it. thing we need to say before we get out of here, Pete, is today is the day for the new Telegram website to launch. Yes. So right. if you are having issues accessing the website today, don't worry. It's because we're launching that new site. Our subscribers will have to create a new password. You will receive a welcome email with instructions on how to do that. If you have issues, you can just give us a call and we'll help you out. Right. And, you know, it's a transition thing. There's always going to be, you know, issues or, or, things, or hurdles you way. have to jump. And that's on our end. That's on our uh, that's on the, the hometown uh, group that is providing our, our new website. Mm -hmm. uh, that's certainly on the subscriber side. You, you know, I've. Nobody has more trouble with uh, passwords than I do <laughs> when, I, when I have to get into some, something or whatever. It doesn't matter if I know what it is or whatever. I have to create a new one. So, you know, my heart's with you there. Yeah. But you'll, you'll be getting it's an email it, if though. you're a subscriber about a, a new password. And remember, it's all for the better because, uh, you know, our company has made an investment in, uh, in, in what we feel will be an improved website. We've always tried to put a lot of news on there, yep. but we'll do that and we'll try to do even more and even in a more timely fashion uh, for our, uh, for our uh, digital subscribers. And remember, of course, with the Telegram, we have many people who are print only. We have people who are transitioning now. They're print and digital both. A few, uh, a lesser number are maybe digital only. But uh, we uh, encourage you to look at our digital product if you're a print-only subscriber because the advantage well, remember, is... Remember, if you have a print subscription, you have a digital subscription. There yeah. is no such yeah. thing as a print-only subscriber. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You have access to the, to the internet, yeah. but you may choose not to use it because you're not sure. used to it or you don't, uh, you're not used to it or whatever. We're encouraging you, if you're a subscriber, to try out our... our, our Internet uh, edition, our e-edition is what we call it. Yep. Because the advantage there is, uh, you know, it's accessible lots of other places. Uh, you know, when you're on the road or whatever, you don't have to have the paper with you or right. whatever. And, of course, another advantage is that we put some of our news on just as soon as we get it done. You don't have to wait for Correct. the publication or for the, or for the paper to come off the press. You got it. All of that. Right, exactly. Technology at its finest. We right. Have. And so, you know, that's a very good point that James made. Even if you're interested in only the print edition, for no extra money, the digital comes with that. And you can, do, you, and you can do digital only for a slightly lesser price. That's true, and, too. And on the digital, it's all there. All the articles are going to be there. Uh, there are some things we can put on that we can't even put in the print edition because of, sure. of, of, of you know, space, yep. you know. It's it, it's it, there's only so many pages in the paper, but it's an infinite almost amount of space on our digital product, and also we can be more timely with that. And so we urge our 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 subscribers who are mainly print and or have just been interested in the print to try to take a look at our digital product as well. Yep, absolutely. The telegramnews.com. If you and that's the going to be that's going to be you know like James said. We don't know exactly when today, uh, but the word is at some time that transition will be made. And when you uh, call up the website, it's going to look a lot different. It's going to have the same stuff on it, but it's going to look a little bit different. And we hope it will be easier to use and it will have more things on it, actually. There you go. 
All right. Well, Pete, thanks so much for spending your morning with us. Lots and lots of news. And uh, you will be able to see more Apple Festival stuff, uh, in, I assume, in some of the papers coming up. we got and lots of lots of Apple Festival coverage coming and uh, lots of other things lots a, of other as, things as, well, as well. But we, we'll certainly focus on the Apple Festival because uh, all you had to do is be downtown on Friday or Saturday. There's a few people interested. There are just a couple there. So, All right. Well, have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll be right back here tomorrow. Bye-bye.